0: It's Thursday, June 29th, 2023, the 890th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'myourmoderator.substack.com. So yesterday we were talking about how Tucker Carlson has finally introduced into the central narrative the idea that it is not possible to have free and fair, safe and secure elections whose outcome represents the will of the people when those elections are run with voting machines. To my knowledge, Tucker is the first person in the mainstream media to say this clearly and concisely in a way that people will actually understand and take in. What you're seeing happen in this country is only possible when the leaders of the country are unaccountable to the people they are meant to be serving. And how do leaders become unaccountable? Well, it's when elections can't remove them. It's when they don't have to worry about the outcome of elections because the outcome of elections is not in doubt and it's not in doubt because they have a system that they've created that enables them to select the winners in every election, in every scenario across the entire country at all levels from your school board and city council all the way up to the president of the United States of America. Now, there are a couple of reasons why it has taken this long, almost three years, for someone in the mainstream to admit this obvious fact that before 2020, people kind of just knew and talked about. It wasn't telling the big lie, it wasn't domestic terrorism, you weren't threatening the very fabric of our democracy, talking about the voting machines. Nearly every Democrat alive today thinks that George W. Bush won in 2004 through the manipulation of voting machines, Diebold voting machines in Ohio. Democrats found a range of ways to complain about how Donald Trump had won in 2016. But as soon as 2020 happened, it was very, very dangerous to say any of those things. And most people shut up, including, for the most part, Tucker Carlson, until just this week. I talked about how it was absolutely critical that Tucker has done this because we can't fix the system if we continue to pretend the machines aren't a problem. We have Dominion Discovery documents, we have the Halderman Report, and we have two decades worth of research that say quite clearly the machines are vulnerable to manipulation, not only through people with physical access, but people with network access. And regardless, the software is unable to reliably produce accurate results reflecting the will of the voter in any way that will yield an outcome that voters can trust. That is a massive problem. You cannot have a free society that way. But ignoring election fraud is not just a problem for the elections. It is a problem for all political analysis. And because we are so accustomed to believing that our elections are free and fair, are safe and secure, we end up falling into these obsolete paradigms in our thought and in our analysis over and over again when trying to understand and analyze what is happening in the world regarding politics. If we are going to analyze elections, future elections, the impact of elections, the impact of policies implemented by, quote unquote, elected leaders, then we have to have our fundamental premises correct. And one of those fundamental basic premises is whether or not our elections are free and fair, safe and secure. They either are or they are not. It is binary in any system with the machines at the end of it. Doesn't matter what else is in there. The security of the election, the accuracy of the results cannot be guaranteed, and the machines don't even allow a level of transparency for anyone to check. After the elections of 2020, the bare minimum response, especially from Republicans around the country, should have been to examine every single election we have and try to create a Safer and more secure election processes wherever possible. If they had done that, that still wouldn't have been enough with the presence of the machines, but they didn't even do that. And that's because doing that would have required them to admit that something was very seriously wrong and that the outcomes of our elections are in fact in doubt. And they couldn't do that because the power that politicians receive in this system comes from this system. It comes from the regime. And if the regime loses its ability to decide winners and losers, then all of the power for the people empowered by the regime disappears with it. And that's not only true for the politicians. It's true for the people in media. It's true for people across all aspects of our society, corporate leaders, academics, Public health officials, the people who lead tech companies, the political parties, you can go on and on and on. The regime depends on stolen elections and all of the companies and interests and institutions supporting the regime depend on the regime's ability to retain power without stolen elections, all of that falls apart. So you would expect the people profiting most from the regime to protect their election system the hardest. And that's exactly what we've seen, which explains why mainstream figures are not going after election fraud. But again, election fraud And the denial of that election fraud is not only a problem for our elections. It is a problem for all of our analysis and all of our political conversation, because anyone who ignores or denies the basic obvious fact that our elections can be and are stolen is going to be doing all of their analysis in a totally false reality. We do not live in a reality where our elections are free and fair and safe and secure. So if you are analyzing politics and world events based on our elections being legitimate, you're going to get virtually everything wrong. It doesn't matter if it is naivety or ignorance or if someone is intentionally lying and obfuscating the truth about elections. It's all going to lead to bad outcomes Because the elections are at the bottom of everything. Tucker now admits that the machines are a problem. You can't have a legitimate election if you're using voting machines. And therefore, that enables the regime to do all the things the regime is doing because the regime is not accountable to the people, knowing that they can choose the winners of elections. Tucker's analysis is correct. It is true. And it is also the sort of analysis that you could not reach without understanding that elections are stolen. If you're not going to understand and accept that the elections are stolen, then you can't understand properly why this illegitimate Biden administration is acting the way it's acting. It is a fundamental understanding for your analysis to know that the elections are stolen and that the Biden regime is unaccountable. Tucker is able to get himself to the proper conclusions because as part of his thinking, he is including the basic fundamental reality that our elections are not legitimate. He cannot reach those conclusions otherwise. So what would happen if you were the sort of person who would say, despite the overwhelming evidence, despite what we can see with our eyes in the world, despite what we witnessed on election day, despite any of that, our elections are still legitimate. If you were naive about our elections or you were ignorant, you were dishonest, then you would move forward in your thinking, thinking that our elections are legitimate. We get the proper outcomes. Maybe they're not hundred percent perfect. They're not a hundred percent accurate every time, but they're close enough and regardless this is the best system we could possibly have, we're gonna have to trust it. otherwise society's going to completely fall apart. If that is how you think about elections, that's going to lead you to a lot of bad outcomes. You're not going to be able to come to the conclusions Tucker Carlson is reaching. Because those conclusions require the claim that our elections are illegitimate to be true. Now, this matters a great deal because people who believe or who will say that our elections are legitimate or that they might have little rigging problems like they were rigged by the FBI or they were rigged by the 51 former intelligence officials or this is always a great one. They were stolen legally. Through legal means, the Democrats, oh, it's always the Democrats, only the Democrats, not the regime, not the uniparty right working with the uniparty left. No, it's only the Democrats. The Democrats set up a system and complicated that system through many, many years to create this exact system that they could most benefit in. But they did it all fair and square. Our system worked as it should. There were people in there with bad intentions who were exploiting loopholes and doing what they needed to do to change the system, but they did all that legally. So now we just have to accept these outcomes. There are people that say that too, but no matter how you try to skirt the issue with these weak notions, these little half measures, that doesn't lead you to a place where you can properly analyze the situation. All that does is signal to the people who know the truth that you're eh, sort of on their side. If you're in uniparty right media, you can't just go calling people who know the elections are stolen. Crazy conspiracy theorists. That's not going to work. And of course, it's 60 or 65 percent of the country at minimum right now who understands that our elections are stolen. So they can't do that. They have to give them just some scraps they are going to throw them some crumbs and say, oh, they were just rigged by these other things. Oh, they were stolen. But legally, all oh, the Democrats just have that ballot harvesting operation. That's what did it. And cover up prior theft. And because they're unwilling to admit that baseline fundamental problem that our elections are illegitimate They cannot form any other proper analysis on any issue related to that central question. Are our elections legitimate or not? It is one or the other. They can't be mostly legitimate, though these people try to argue that's what's going on. Sure, there are little problems here and there, but our elections are mostly legitimate. And you can't prove that there was enough fraud to change the outcomes of these elections, except. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. you yeah, yeah, Actually can. You absolutely can do that. The evidence is everywhere. It's overwhelming. It's obvious it's been there for years, but that also isn't the standard. The standard is whether or not it's obvious to everyone that our elections are safe and secure. That's what it's supposed to be, because we all agree that voting is our most basic and fundamental right. And without it, it's impossible to have a free society. Now, here's an example of the sort of analysis you get when you are either naive or ignorant or lying about the most fundamental questions, in this case, the legitimacy of our elections. This is a little clip that someone sent or posted yesterday from the Daily Wire backstage. This little show where Ben Shapiro and Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh, all the stars of the Daily Wire, get together in their little television studio. And they just have a kind of bros talk. They're just having bro time, just hanging out. The lights are dim. It's called Daily Wire backstage. This is Ben and Matt and Michael when they're just kicking it. And being real, they're all smoking or pretending to smoke cigars and having very normal bro-like discussions that just a bunch of guys would have backstage on a film production set.
1: Matt, you're, you're more pro DeSantis?
0: Yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, cer- certainly. Well, when it comes to the primary, I think there are a lot of reasons why I prefer DeSantis over Trump. But when it comes to the primary, I'm kind of a single-issue voter, which is, can you win? Yes. In the general election because nothing else matters. So even if I agreed that Trump would be a better executive than DeSantis, which I don't, the bigger issue is I just don't see, I don't see his strategy for winning. And I've asked Trump supporters this for months. And it's, not, it's not accusatory. I'm, I'm saying, how does he win? What's the plan? How, how does he actually win the White House? So here's, because here's you how he you can't win the White House, it does, nothing else matters. Here's how he wins. Look, I'm, I'm fairly pessimistic on the whole... Uh, him winning thing? electoral shots for Republicans, period, and and, uh, and for Trump, too. But Biden's negatives are, are way higher than they were in, in 2020. Uh, Country's in a different place. Uh, the base, I think, is more fired up for Trump. You look at some of those. Again, I think the national polls this early are pretty silly, but some of them have Trump up over Biden. A lot of them have Trump up over DeSantis, now you might say, well, okay, the polls are bogus, or it doesn't matter because you're only talking about. Is there a poll that has Trump beating a generic, doing better than a generic Republican over Biden? Yeah. Uh, generic Republican or DeSantis? Who's the number two guy? Generic Republican, first of all. No, I haven't seen that poll. Yeah, I mean, versus DeSantis, one of the things
0: you have to take into account is, is lack of public knowledge of DeSantis as opposed to universal knowledge of, of Trump. But mm-hmm. the, the bigger issue, as you mentioned, is that basically this election comes down to like five states, right? Yeah. I mean, it comes down to Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, maybe Arizona and Georgia. But if you lose either Arizona and Georgia, you lost the election, it's already over. So if it, if it really comes down to three, right, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Trump is trailing in all three of those states by every poll that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So okay, I don't see him winning any of those.
1: So what is his, how does he win? Well, his, his his past he magic some. Yeah, like, no, look, I, I think it's very hard. I mean, I think the Democrats rigged the system in 2020. I'm not saying that Hugo Chavez, you know, went in and poked numbers or anything. We're just saying you it shouldn't changed. because that would create legal liability for us. Yes. Yeah, it's it's not, it turns out it's not true. Yeah, it'll be Tucker and Michael on Twitter.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> what spectacular analysis that is from men who are paid 50 million dollars a year each to give their political analysis before that clip and if you want to see the full clip go to t.me/veryreasonable on Telegram I posted it there last night but in part of their conversation Michael Knowles mentioned that Trump's biggest problem was the COVID vaccine Even though that is clearly not a problem for Donald Trump, as evidenced by the last eight months of being consistently attacked about his handling of covid and the vaccine and it not working at all and only backfiring for Ron. And then Ben Shapiro brings up that Trump might be arrested. Trump might be in jail. He might have to pardon himself from jail. Wouldn't that just be the Trumpiest thing that ever happened? My goodness, gang. I think he actually, at some point in that clip, said baby gang. Genuinely don't know what sort of language Ben Shapiro is speaking at this point. So they tell us that covid vaccines are a problem, even though they supported and promoted and took them. And they're telling us that Trump might be in prison. And that's a problem. Not that they're addressing the regime side of that, why the regime is trying to throw Trump in prison to keep him from winning an election that then Matt Walsh claims Trump can't win. And that's their biggest argument of all, that Trump can't win in 2024. Therefore, we need to elect Ron. And if not Ron, then someone else, but anyone other than Trump. That's what the uniparty right says. You can have any choice of these other Republicans, but not Trump. Trump is not on the menu. You're not allowed to choose Trump. They agree completely. With the uniparty left about that, the uniparty left stole the election with the help of the uniparty right. You can't just steal an election without people like Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles helping them cover up the theft of the election in broad daylight. That's not possible. So they had help. So the uniparty left decided Trump was not on the menu. You can choose Biden and you can. Oh, no, you can just choose Biden, but you can't have Trump. They're saying the same thing right now to Democrat voters who want. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You can't have RFK Jr. You can have Biden. RFK Jr. is not on the menu. Uh, We run out of some other menu items. All we have is Biden. Uniparty left doesn't want an anti-establishment candidate. The Uniparty right doesn't want an anti-establishment candidate. Therefore, RFK Jr. and Trump are not on the menu. Choose someone else. And we are being told we must choose someone else by the guys at the Daily Wire who are forming all of their arguments with the fundamental basic untruth at the bottom of all of it, that our elections are actually free and fair, safe and secure, and that we're getting legitimate, accurate outcomes that reflect the will of the American voters. We know that is not true. There is no reason to believe it is true. And yet $150 million a year of Political analysis talent continues to use that absolutely false assumption to formulate everything else. All of their analysis depends on our elections actually being real and legitimate, because if they're not, if those elections are in fact stolen, then they can't go around saying that the biggest issue out there for Trump to win is the COVID vaccines or these get Trump efforts. And it sure as hell isn't the difference between Trump and Ron in the minds of centrist voters in battleground states. And it doesn't matter what the polls say. If the numbers are wrong, then anything based on those numbers is wrong. That is the critical understanding. This is a foundational basis for everything else that involves political analysis. If I am wrong about election fraud, if elections in our country are totally legitimate and not stolen and everything that came out was just a big hoax and ruse and I am a sucker for believing it all, that would make so much of my analysis immediately wrong. Okay. I understand that I have always understood that the implications of that one foundational claim are that important. It really does matter so much, whether or not our elections are stolen, whether or not they are legitimate, because so much else flows from that. So just like I could be wrong and that would destroy so many of my claims. The same holds true for these Daily Wire guys and the other people in the mainstream media. If they are wrong about election fraud, they are wrong about so many other things. And they are wrong about election fraud. And they know it. They thought they would be able to cover it up. I've talked about this before. The uniparty right and the uniparty left are essentially the same things. They want to be the elites. They have the same goals and pursuits in life. They disagree somewhat about how to get there, but most of that is just branding. They are telling two different sides of the same story, and they want people to believe that they're the best and the smartest, not those other people on the other side. These people know that if election fraud goes away. If Donald Trump can be defeated, if he is out of the picture, then people will stop talking about election fraud. And if they bring someone in like Ron DeSantis and then make him president through rigged elections in November, 2024, they're going to go out to the world and say that our elections are not rigged. That's how a Republican was able to win. Only Democrats steal elections. So if a Republican wins, that means that elections aren't stolen. And that's the goal. That's what they are going for. Remove Trump from the picture. Get through the 2024 election. Show the people that the elections are just fine by letting some establishment Republicans win in certain places. Maybe we'll even get the Senate back. And then the agenda of the regime just marches forward and our elections just remain the same forever. This system stays in place no matter what. But they're not going to talk about that because they believe or they say they believe that our elections are legitimate. So let's analyze everything in that old paradigm. Let's talk about covid vaccines and the get Trump effort and the fact that he can't win enough battleground states. How does Trump win? Well, here's how we win, and here's the only way that it matters if we win. We fix elections. Elections get fixed by exposing the problem in the first place. It's not hard to fix elections. The fix isn't complicated. You vote on one day in person with hand-marked paper ballots that are hand-counted. The entire process is totally transparent. Voter ID? Sure. Small precincts? Absolutely. Ballot markings that prevent the counterfeiting of ballots. Excellent. That system could be implemented in no time. We used to have that system. Implementing that system would be far less effort than whatever it is we are doing now. So it's not hard. It's not complicated. It can absolutely be done. Why isn't it being done? Oh, yeah, it's because people don't understand the depth of the problem yet. People don't even understand that the problem is real. The reason people don't understand those things is because people like the guys on Daily Wire making $50 million a year each to analyze politics are lying to them about the problem and obfuscating the problem so that they personally can maintain and increase their own personal power and wealth and status. Because if it comes out, if everybody understands that our elections are stolen, then immediately those three goofballs no longer appear as these $50 million a year experts, the best in the business at telling Republicans what's happening. That whole illusion immediately vanishes, as it does for almost everybody on Fox News. Everybody in the conservative mainstream who has ignored election fraud for now almost three years. It is important to get that fundamental understanding right because it is the basis of so many other things. When one of your basic fundamental assumptions is completely wrong, in fact, the opposite of truth Everything that relies on that assumption is going to be similarly wrong. They cannot analyze the horse race of American politics, believing that our elections are legitimate when our elections aren't legitimate and come out with proper, interesting conclusions. This is, once again, why these guys are always wrong. These are the people who thought that as soon as Ron DeSantis announced his campaign, he would be at the top of the stack. Everyone would finally realize, oh, there's an anti-Trump option that still has all the good things of Donald Trump, but without the problems. Well, it didn't work because that's not what people want. People don't want the soft version. People don't want the dishonest corporate version, which is what they're being given with Daily Wire analysis. And hilariously, this morning, they even lost... Candace Owens. Candace Owens tweeted this earlier today. Sorry to say it, but the DeSantis campaign was dead on arrival and it's time to admit it. Tons of mistakes needed to be more upfront about his intention to run. Doesn't come across as honest and he's boring. You can say it shouldn't matter, but it does. He also needed someone more like Kaylee McEnany rather than petty Christina Pushaw running comms. The influencers that are still cheerleading for him are those that recently moved to his state and want to reap the benefits for standing firm beside him through his inevitable loss. I'm not knocking the influencer hustle, just calling it as I see it. They know he can't win either. So that is Candace Owens, another very wealthy media member of the Daily Wire, apparently bucking the company line. Now, she didn't mention Trump in there. Does she support Trump? Who knows? But people are largely coming to terms with the fact that the Ron DeSantis campaign is an absolute disaster. Ron has had no momentum at any point. He is falling back further every single day. And in her replies and other posts, Candace seems to be going toward Vivek Ramaswamy. But let's leave that aside and focus on the impact of getting something fundamental wrong. Again, Just said a minute ago, if I'm wrong about election fraud, if elections are actually free and fair, safe and secure, if the election results reflect the will of the American voter, then many things that I believe are also wrong because so much stems from that. But if I am right and. The Daily Wire people are wrong and the Fox News people are wrong and the National Review people and all of these other people in conservative incorporated media on the uniparty right. If they are wrong about election fraud, they are essentially wrong about absolutely everything. And I don't mean mostly everything. I mean, absolutely everything. That's how big a claim it is. You can't justify spending all day and night focused on being the best at knowing who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo ha's if your country has been usurped, and that is exactly how they've spent the last nearly three years. If I am right about election fraud, then their priorities, their claims to patriotism, their claims about how much they care about this country, all of that goes poof immediately, just vanishes. It's impossible to claim that you are patriotic or conservative or proudly American if you didn't bother checking to see whether or not our elections are stolen and you just believed the television and went on with your life and convinced other people to do the same thing, especially not if you're the guy who already didn't check whether or not vaccines were safe and effective. You just said, come on, dopes, get the shot. My wife is a doctor. But that didn't work out. And this isn't going to work out either because the truth is actually not in doubt. There is just a set of people who think that they can ride this out to the point where that truth will never reach a critical mass in society and they can keep forging ahead once Trump is out of the picture and they're able to put the whole election theft thing behind them. If our elections are stolen, it doesn't make sense to talk about what's going to happen in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Georgia, in Wisconsin, in Arizona. It doesn't make sense to talk about different demographics of voters. It doesn't make sense to talk about the primary and the general. If our elections are legitimate, Donald Trump cannot lose. Donald Trump's path to winning is guaranteeing free and fair elections in our country. And that is something that, by the way, the people on the daily wire and the people at Fox news and the people at the blaze, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, should be focused on because that's the actual way to fix our society. Every other issue becomes secondary to that, except for maybe the issues of the currency. Maybe there's an argument that says the currency is a more important issue than free and fair elections And that somehow, if we had a stable currency that wasn't run as a fiat currency by the regime, maybe there's a different form of government that doesn't require elections. Maybe our elections could be performed on the blockchain or something. I know those ideas are out there. But leaving that aside, the election fraud thing is absolutely the most important thing. It is the way that the people use their voice and express their will. It's through their vote if their vote doesn't matter, then all of that stuff goes away. You can't fix election fraud sometime after you fix the woke issues in Florida in a few years. If our elections are fixed, we don't elect people who put all that nonsense in there in the first place. You can get rid of all that stuff across the country almost immediately through fixing our elections. We don't need to go ballot harvest for establishment Republicans, hoping someday they might do what they promised. So not only does it require these fundamental assumptions to be correct in order to form proper analysis on top of them, that also works backwards and you can see it working backwards. As I said before, the thing with Tucker Carlson, he has this analysis about the world. He sees That the Biden administration has done all of these things and acts in all of these ways that indicate they are not worried about how the people respond to what they're doing. That is analysis you can simply draw from the world that not only relies on the understanding that our elections are not legitimate, it also suggests that our elections are not legitimate. And it's not that one necessitates the other. It's that they imply one another. They have a relationship that we can observe that matters. If our elections are stolen, you would expect the parties stealing elections to eventually act in ways that show they are unaccountable to the people because they want a certain set of things. They want to set society up in a certain way that allows them to maintain and increase their power. If they can maintain and increase their power without needing to be responsive to the people they hold power over, then they get to make more of their own decisions and advance their project faster. The knowledge that the elections are stolen allows them to act in ways that show they are unaccountable. So it works in that direction. Now, if you observe, as Tucker Carlson observes, that our politicians are acting in a way that shows they believe themselves to be unaccountable, then that could only imply a few things. It's the sort of thing you would expect in a feudalist system where the people all know that they do not have the power to remove their leader and that they will have to go along with whatever their leader says or they can be punished. So if you saw a situation emerge where the leader or the government is clearly acting in ways that show they are unaccountable to the people, then you might surmise that the system is set up in such a way that does not require accountability from the leaders to the people. And that's what you would get in a feudalist system. But we don't have a feudalist system, or at least we're told we don't have a feudalist system. But we are still able to observe our leaders, our government acting in ways that suggest they are unaccountable to the people. Think about last winter in December, the Congress, the lame duck Congress, who was going out, who had been voted out, the Democrat majority was being replaced by a Republican majority. On the way out, they passed an omnibus bill. And then Mitch McConnell in the Senate helped them pass it there too. And then Joe Biden signed it. And that bill increases government spending. And to facilitate that, we know that we are going to print a whole lot more regime fiat money that will have to be worked off by generations to come. That is the regime acting in ways that prove they believe they are unaccountable to the people they're meant to be serving. So we can observe that phenomenon in the world, just as Tucker did on his show the other night. How many explanations could there be for that phenomenon? How many ways could we explain Why the government or why leaders would be acting in a way that shows they believe they're unaccountable to the people. Now, again, that observation doesn't necessitate the fact that elections are stolen, but it does strongly imply that our elections are stolen. So you have it working in both directions. If elections are stolen, you would expect as a future outcome that leaders and government would eventually begin to act in ways that show they believe they are unaccountable. Likewise, if you observe that leaders and government are acting in ways that show they believe they are unaccountable, then one possible cause of that situation is that elections are stolen and that those leaders know it. And it turns out that in reality, right now, we can observe both things. We can observe the presence of obviously stolen elections. We can make compelling and conclusive arguments about how the election results cannot be trusted in a variety of ways, a wide variety of ways at this point. And the same holds true for the claim that government seems to be acting in a way that shows they believe they're unaccountable to the people. We can get to both of those things rather easily right now. The fact that they also imply each other strengthens the argument for both of them because one implies the other in two different directions, then the likelihood of them both existing at the same time in the same scenario is very, very high. And we can see that they do both exist at the same time in the same scenario. And that would be extraordinarily unlikely if our elections weren't stolen. Tucker Carlson is talking about the meat of the issue the thing in itself, the thing that actually matters. Look at what the government is doing. They are acting in a way that shows they believe they're unaccountable to the people. How does that happen? And then on the daily wire, we have the same things everyone else says about everything all the time. Oh, well, it's going to come down to Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Oh, Really? $50 million a year? Well, that's very interesting. Maybe Trump can win the primary, but he can't win the general election. And that's the only thing I care about. I'm a one care kind of guy. I have one priority, and that's knowing who's got the wee-wees around here and who's got the hoo-hahs. And I only trust one candidate to be able to share in that knowledge with me, and that is Ron DeSantis. That is my impression of Matt Walsh doing his impression of Matt Walsh, which itself is an impression of some old biker guy. That analysis is for morons. And it's not just because Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro and Michael Knowles are morons. In fact, they might not be morons. I'm not sure that they're not morons, but they might not be morons. But the analysis isn't so bad because of their status as morons or not morons. The analysis is so bad because it all relies on a false claim that is foundational to everything else they're saying. Now, let's expand a bit on what it means for this to work in both directions. We observe in the world all of these various phenomena that suggest our elections are stolen and then We observe all the phenomena that you would expect to observe in a situation where elections are stolen, understanding that it would be highly unlikely for all of those situations to arise as they are arising in a situation where our elections were not stolen, where what's happening in the world actually does represent the will of the people. The Daily Wire guys cannot explain what is happening now in the world in any way that actually makes sense because they are detached from reality about one of the most critical foundational understandings about what's happening. The thing that explains all of this actually is that our elections are stolen and the presence and dominating power of the regime that steals those elections. That explains all of what we are observing. The Daily Wire guys can't explain any of it because the story is inconsistent when you assume that the outcomes of our elections are legitimate as reported. How is it that Donald Trump can't win based on his negative characteristics But he was also able to increase his vote total by 20% in his second election, where every other president always declines in support, including the most popular president ever, Barack Obama. He got fewer votes in his second election. Donald Trump got 20% more, and we're told that he lost because people hate him so much. Does that analysis make sense? any sense? Of course not. But it's the sort of analysis required when you have as a foundational belief that our elections are free and fair, safe and secure, no matter what, that is what we know. These are the results we've gotten from the elections, knowing they're free and fair, safe and secure. And so all we can do is analyze these results and the world as it exists, and we will figure it out, I guess. Nothing will ever actually make sense, In that scenario, certainly not in any big picture sense, you can't even interact with the big picture with such an obviously false belief there as a foundational understanding for everything else. They can analyze each separate thing and try to give a reason why each separate thing is true, but they can't get to the big picture. Donald Trump lost because people really dislike him. Okay. well, how did he gain 12 million votes after four years of being president. Well, they don't have an answer for that at all. There was no election fraud because the courts didn't overturn the outcome of a presidential election. Well, that's not true. Nothing about that suggests that election fraud didn't occur. Election fraud didn't occur because CISA said it was the safest and most secure election of all time. Well, CISA published a report last year on the J. Alex Halderman report that shows they know that the machines don't work that the machines are vulnerable, that the machines can't produce reliable results. They know. So the people who said it was safe and secure know that it was not safe and secure. What explains that? Oh, got no idea. You can go down the list of anomalies that Seth Keschel presents. Hey, what about these bellwether counties? What happened there? They don't know. Matt Walsh has no idea how that happened. How did Joe Biden win the entire election by outperforming Barack Obama among black Americans in four urban centers in the country. How did that happen? Michael Knowles has no idea how that happened, but I guess it just did. Because one thing we know for sure is that the election results cannot be questioned. So I don't know how it happened, but it did happen. It's just a fact of the world now that it happened. Does it make sense? No. Does it explain anything? No. But everybody gets to continue believing it until someone can prove them wrong. And we've talked about, quote unquote, proof plenty of times. You can never prove it to them because they are not thinking for themselves in the first place. It will not be proven to them until all of society agrees that it is proven. And then everyone at that point will say it was just proven. So we have all these situations in the world that would be. Easily explainable understanding that our elections are stolen and there is no other explanation for how these situations have arisen other than that elections are stolen. So they have no explanation at all for how the world got this way. $50 million a year doesn't actually produce explanations for all of those things, especially not when you have to avoid the one thing that actually does explain them all. What does it mean to have all of these different occurrences that could all be fully explained by the same cause? And without that cause, the truth of that cause, the situation cannot be explained at all. That comes pretty damn close to necessitating that that cause is actually true because it has full explanatory power for this multitude of things we observe. But because that cause, that obvious explanatory, fundamental, basic notion must be denied at all costs by these people, they have virtually no explanation for any of the phenomena we see. And because of that, we end up with absolutely terrible analysis, drawing absolutely terrible conclusions. Kerry Lake didn't lose in Arizona because of election fraud. She lost because she is a lying grifter who tells the big lie. She is hardcore MAGA, and people hate that. They are just over and done with it. They are sick of it. They want to move on. That's why Kerry Lake lost. And in that loss, she actually hurt the entire Republican Party. It doesn't matter that the Republican establishment tried to tear her apart and steal the primary from her by putting up some rich lady who had never been in politics. Karen Taylor Robeson doesn't matter that they tried to rig the primary and extend the counting so that they could get Robson to the win. None of that matters. Carrie Lake lost because she's MAGA, because election fraud just isn't true, doesn't exist. Therefore, it can't explain things that it obviously does explain. It's instead this other random explanation that they just make up ad hoc whenever it's necessary. Oh, Carrie Lake lost. Oh, it's MAGA. It's MAGA. We don't need to examine the election. We don't need to even deal with the fact that her cases, her lawsuits are still open and still being litigated. We don't need to deal with that. It's because she's MAGA that she lost Trump can't win because of his negatives. Well, then how did he gain 12 million votes? Oh, you don't have an answer for that one either. How did Joe Biden get 81 million real lawful American votes in your view? Daily Wire guys, can you answer that? Oh, that's because everybody hates Trump, too. Oh, I got it. Yeah, that's the thing. That is the one thing that explains everything. It's not election fraud. It's that everybody hates Donald Trump. And that's why three years after he lost and three years after he mishandled covid and the vaccines and all of that, even though he's being indicted by a government weaponized against its political opponents, which the Daily Wire guys don't seem to care about or worry about very much, even with all of that, Trump is still more powerful now than he has ever been. He's more popular now than he has ever been. He's more popular with Democrats than he's ever been. The MAGA base is expanding massively. How do the Daily Wire guys explain? Any of this. And of course they can't, which is why they don't. And which is why they would never talk to anyone who might put them on the spot about it. The claim that our elections are stolen continues to map onto reality. No matter how much reality continues to evolve, there has been absolutely no reason over the last three years to ever scale back from that understanding. There has been nothing that has come up to suggest that that understanding is mistaken. All the information that has come out, every bit of progression of these situations continues to show that it is beyond a shadow of a doubt that our elections are stolen. Nothing has been done to change that. We've seen it happen over and over again And in nine months from now, when we get through the Super Tuesday stage of the primaries that usually happens in March, it should even be clear to Democrat villagers who've been denying election fraud for almost three years that our elections are stolen when they watch Robert F. Kennedy Jr. have his primary rigged and stolen. So understanding how this works in two directions, it's important to remember how many things are affected by that underlying claim and how that underlying claim has to remain consistent throughout all of the analysis, which means that in every situation we encounter regarding politics that is going to be affected by whether or not our elections are stolen, We must keep that fundamental, foundational, basic premise and fact in our minds throughout that analysis. And I have talked a few times now about how I'm kind of fascinated by Trump's endorsements. I'm trying to figure out what system he's using to choose these endorsements, because as I said, you have to remember at all times that the elections are rigged and Trump knows that the elections are rigged. He knows that the regime is rigging the elections. He knows that the regime is choosing the winners in those elections. And it should be obvious that he assumes the regime knows he knows. The only people who don't understand that are the people addicted to the central narrative and the people who are trying to deceive them. Now, there are also people who understand our elections are stolen, but forget about that fact when analyzing situations like this, which is why I wanted to try to bring some clarity to my thought process about this and maybe help you work through your own thought process. So Trump knows the elections are rigged, that the winners are selected. The regime obviously knows that the regime also knows that Trump knows that. So what do his endorsements mean? And I talked about this a few weeks ago, suggesting that part of that endorsement is whatever effect Donald Trump and the people around him might have in being able to shut off the cheating mechanisms in certain races, because there really are some extraordinary outliers out there, particularly when he endorses candidates late in the game. You'll remember in 2020, Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell were these two Senate seats that the Democrats were going hard after spending a bunch of money. They thought their candidates had a chance. Trump endorsed both of them, and then they ended up with huge wins. Now, people would be inclined to think, well, yeah, Trump's got a powerful endorsement. More voters came out and voted for them. So that's why they got those huge wins. These are relatively Republican states anyway. These guys have been serving for a very long time. They're powerful incumbents. That is all of the old analysis. okay? and all of that analysis might be true in its own right to some extent. But that doesn't explain how they had these massive blowouts, because both of them are largely disliked by MAGA. Both of those wins are also reflections of another strange phenomenon of that election, which is that Trump lost, but they took back the House. Massive wins all around the country. Huge coattails from Donald Trump. His endorsements got people elected who prior to his endorsement, no one had ever heard of. But those voters only went Republican down ballot because they still hated Donald Trump so much at the top. Another absolutely ridiculous claim that can't be believed at all unless you believe that our elections are free and fair and the results legitimately reflect the will of the voters. Our elections are not and certainly should not be these opaque mysteries that no one can understand. We should be able to verify the outcomes. They should be totally transparent so that we can know what went wrong or what went right and what we need to do to respond. Because ultimately, we're supposed to be trying to have a good country, not just win elections. But that doesn't work for Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh just wants to win. So I'm thinking about Trump's endorsements and I'm thinking about the people that endorse Trump. And Lindsey Graham is always an interesting case because Lindsey Graham is like the prototypical dictionary definition of what it means to be an establishment rhino. He is like the polar opposite of MAGA. So why does Trump keep endorsing him and why does Graham keep endorsing Trump? And what do these endorsements mean knowing that elections are rigged? Now, I've mentioned before that a few months ago, I read The Art of the Deal for the first time. I had never read it. I didn't know what to expect. All my expectations were influenced by the media narrative about Art of the Deal. Trump didn't write it. It's all about Trump's ego. Trump's just trying to make himself look like a genius, blah, blah, blah. But I read it and I noticed that Trump actually was a genius because the deal's that he describes in The Art of the Deal. He goes through with like 10 different real estate deals that he had made in the 80s in New York City. He talked a bit about his history, his upbringing, but then focused on these deals. And these deals were always a bunch of moving parts that he understood in very specific ways, not only as these discrete individual parts, but also as pieces of this hole and how each one of the parts worked to get the deal over the finish line. And they weren't all smooth. They weren't all massive successes. He was just describing his approach and how he thought of things and how he was focused on making things more efficient. He wanted to win, but he also wanted to do good projects for New York City. He wanted to make the tenants of his buildings happy. He wanted everything to work. With all of these moving parts operating in unison to achieve his goals. That is not the sort of thing that simplistic minds are able to do and to execute, especially not with success. But the takeaway is not only that Trump actually is a really smart guy who does know what he's doing and can handle a lot of different things at once. He's able to synthesize and analyze information and he's able to find success even despite the pushback. It's also clear that Donald Trump views everything as a negotiation. And it's not just that he sees everything as a negotiation. He sees his relationship with everything in the world As being in the process of negotiation, he is in mid negotiation all the time. He is trying to create leverage for himself and now for the country at all times, no matter who he's dealing with and no matter how he's dealing with them. Is he putting out public statements to create leverage against another party? Yes, he's doing that. Is he operating in a give-and-take scenario with the other party so that he can ultimately get what he wants and create situations where he has more leverage, where he gains leverage? Yes, absolutely, he is doing that. But the real key is that he's also willing to say and do things that put him at a seeming disadvantage for a certain amount of time because he knows that it will create more leverage for him in the long run. And if you understand that everything he's doing and saying is done with this understanding as the foundational basis of his thinking, then everything he's doing not only makes sense, but it also ends up seeming pretty damn genius. Donald Trump is always mid-negotiation Situations that might seem over and done with are not over and done with because he might do business again with those people in the future. So it's not only about creating leverage and exercising leverage. It's maintaining that leverage. And he has to do that with thousands of people and organizations on an entire range of different issues. And he has to focus on the government and the American people as well. Now, you might think that every president has to do that, and there's probably an extent to which that's true. Every president at least has to be conscious of that. But presidents like Barack Obama and like the fake president, Joe Biden, who are only in there to sell and implement an agenda they did not create and that they are not largely responsible for implementing. That's what the bureaucracy is for. They don't actually approach it as always being in mid negotiation. They just need to complete a number of tasks and they'll do whatever they can to complete those tasks, but they're not focused on the big picture and they're not focused on their leverage, particularly long term. So let's think about the foundational claim. A lot of people think that Donald Trump is very stupid. He's an egomaniac. He's acting only in his best interest, short term. He never thinks about the long term. He just wants to win. He wants to embarrass people, blah, blah, blah. It's all about his personality. That is the fundamental assumption for never Trumpers, for anti-Trump people. They think that he is dumb and bad in every way imaginable. And he's not the avatar of a hate movement, even though they hate him and hate all his supporters. It's not that. It's just that he really is actually that dumb and bad. Or alternatively, Donald Trump actually knows what he's doing. He is a smart and successful man who has attended good schools, who has made himself a success in life and who is always mid negotiation in these interactions. Which one has more explanatory power for what we actually see in the world? And can we explain all of the things we see in the world without understanding Donald Trump that way? And so with that in mind, let's think about these endorsements. He endorses Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham endorses him. Now, if Lindsey Graham is not some sort of double agent, and if Lindsey Graham is not fully under control to the point where he is doing and saying what he's told at all times, then Lindsey Graham, through his career and what he's done, his priorities in his career, the warmongering and his general persona, his personality, everything about Lindsey Graham is the antithesis of MAGA. So why would Donald Trump support him? And why would Lindsey Graham support Donald Trump? Lindsey Graham was anti-Trump in 2015 and 2016. Did he have a change of heart? Well, no, he says that at times he has, and he's at least well-behaved enough as an endorser and a supporter. But Lindsey Graham has been anti-Trump. And the Trump movement has been largely anti Lindsey Graham. So how is it that Trump keeps endorsing him and he keeps endorsing Trump? I would suggest that that is not a matter of principle for either man. And this is what frustrates Everybody who analyzes these things, they want to believe that everything a politician says and does is a reflection of their principles and that they should be acting out their principles in the short term, in every conceivable situation, absolutely all the time. Or at least they act that way about Donald Trump. But Donald Trump is mid negotiation all the time. He needs something from Lindsey Graham or he just wants something from Lindsey Graham and Lindsey Graham needs something from him. So the exchange is made. The deal is made. I will endorse you and support you. You will endorse me and support me. When I call upon you for certain things, I'm going to need those things done. We have a deal. This is our negotiation. If you defy the terms of our deal, our negotiation will have changed. All bets at that point are off. That is what we see with Donald Trump acting in the world all the time, and we've seen it now for eight years. Oh, Donald Trump used to support this guy, and now he doesn't. Well, yeah, that's right. The terms of the deal were violated. We are mid-negotiation all the time. If you want another deal, we can talk about another deal, but it's going to cost you. Regardless, the former deal was off, and then Trump will say that publicly. He'll say, well, you know, he was really nice to me before, but he's not that nice to me now, so I don't really feel a need to be nice to him. Now, does that sound a little childish and offensive to the ears of certain listeners? Yes, it does. And I am so, so sorry that Trump has hit you in your sensitivities once again. But if you want to move beyond that mistaken foundational premise and understand that Trump is a smart person who knows what he's doing, who is in mid negotiation all the time, then all that sounds like is well, we had a deal, and the other party didn't abide by the terms of that deal. In fact, they have violated some of the terms of that deal. And so now that deal is off. And I will go back to creating leverage however that leverage needs to be created. That's what he does. He's a deal maker, he is always mid negotiation all the time the purpose of those negotiations is to achieve a range of different outcomes and trump is primarily focused on successfully producing those outcomes he's not focused on doing and saying the things that the analysts on the uniparty right who already hate him want him to say and do why in the world would he be focused on that in fact why in the world would any Republican candidate at any level at this point be focused on pleasing those people when those people don't have the support of the MAGA base, which is the large majority of Republicans, but are also about to be totally exposed as the liars and frauds they are? And Trump knows that Trump knows what's going on. It is absolutely insane at this point to think that Donald Trump might be confused about what's happening in the world, that he's confused about his plan going forward. Donald Trump knows how he's going to win. For instance, Donald Trump has better information than us. He has better information than the $50 million men at daily wire. So he doesn't need to cater to them at all. And it doesn't matter. If they don't understand what he's doing or if what he's doing upsets them and hurts their feelings, it doesn't matter at all because Donald Trump is in mid negotiation and he's trying to create leverage and maintain leverage and use leverage for the benefit of the American people. So how is it that anyone is still listening to these clowns in conservative incorporated media who get everything wrong and have no chance In this paradigm of getting anything right because their most foundational beliefs on a wide range of issues are absolutely obviously wrong. Elections are stolen. They pretend they're not. They think forward from that false point. Donald Trump is mid negotiation all the time. He knows what he's doing. They can't admit that that's true. They think Donald Trump is mean and bad and dumb, but their positions don't explain what's happening in the world right now. And what's happening in the world right now cannot be explained without understanding that their foundational principles are dead wrong. If it was me who was wrong, my analysis would not be able to recover from that. So many things that I have said over the years would be immediately wrong if our elections actually were free and fair, legitimate and secure and accurate reflections of the will of the American voters, but they're not. And just the same, knowing they're not all that other analysis that flows forward from false foundational principles is going to end up wrong. And that is the key understanding. It is the same thing we were talking about last week with the informational time travel. You have to go back. You have to unwind all of these situations. To figure out where that initial foundational misinterpretation is. And until you get there and you're able to think forward from the correct interpretation, reassessing all the situations that come into contact with that misinterpretation, you're never going to be able to get on the right track. Same thing here. You have to get all the way down to the foundation and know for a fact whether or not our elections are stolen. It turns out that they are. If you pretend that they're not, you're going to come to all sorts of wrong conclusions. You can't fix that problem without unwinding that thing down to the roots. We have to understand what it means to have these foundational principles upon which the rest of our thinking is based. And we have to recognize that when we end up changing our minds due to new information. If we find out that one of those most foundational principles is absolutely wrong. In fact, it's the opposite of what we believed before. We can't just flip that over and think that we were right about everything else. Oh, we got that election fraud thing wrong. Whatever. Oh, we got that whole Trump character assessment thing wrong. Whatever. No, it's not whatever. Because those foundational claims affect absolutely everything. You have to take that and then you reassess everything forward from there. And if you can't do it, it's impossible to understand what's really going on. And by the way, when I say things like this, I don't mean I understand everything that's going on just because I understand the truth that our elections are stolen. That doesn't imply that whatsoever. And I'm not claiming that or trying to pretend that. I'm saying that it's impossible to be right about most of it when you are wrong about something so foundational. It's hard to be right about most of it regardless. But if you want to be consistently wrong, you could hardly do better than taking the position of the Daily Wire guys rather than the position of Tucker Carlson. Now, just a note before I go, I know that I haven't really gotten into too much of the news this week. We've had a couple of Supreme Court decisions, the Moore versus Harper decision, and then today we had the decision on affirmative action. Affirmative action is basically done at colleges in America, and I would imagine that affirmative action is not long for this world at all, and thank goodness for that. But you know I don't like to get distracted with the sideshows about the submarines or the fake coups or the creepy little dudes on the beer cans. So I figured maybe now was a good time to talk about some of the deeper philosophical stuff and see if I can get people onto my page and what I am thinking about, how I'm viewing all this stuff. So I hope you're enjoying this last week of episodes. I'm sure I'll get back to including more day-to-day news in the discussion very soon. And if you happen to prefer one style over the other, you are more than welcome to let me know on Twitter or in the comments on Substack or wherever you listen to the show. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, You can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month, comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com, and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range.